A Time of Grace production. This is the non-microwave truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Let's get into our first world problem right away today. The question I have for you today is, what is the appropriate amount of time to celebrate your birthday? Oh my goodness, it's my birthday month. You know you gotta treat me like a queen the whole month. Yes, period, purr. Now, it sounds like I'm probably making fun of women because usually I hear this from women. But the only time that I can recall being mentioned in the Bible, people's birthdays happen to be men. And the men usually handled it horribly. Uh, one time it's mentioned in Genesis chapter 40 with Pharaoh and he had a feast for his birthday. And that was the story of Joseph when the cupbearer got his job back. But the but the baker, the baker got hung like that. That ended up major rough for him. And the other time I can think of is when Herod had a birthday and he had all his people there. And it seems to be comparable to like a, a private party with a stripper. And he had his stepdaughter dance and, and shaking it and twirling or whatever he had, he do, had her doing. And. By the way, the Bible never says it was stripping, but it seems like she pleased him. It actually, it says that she did please him. She pleased him with her dancing so much that he promised to give her whatever she wanted. And you know what she wanted? She wanted John the Baptist's head. That was a request her mom told her to make. And Herod gave her the head literally on a platter. So those are two times I think of people mentioning their, uh, their birthday. I guess you could say maybe Jesus's birthday was mentioned with the Magi giving him gifts and stuff, but that was after his birth, but it might've been the same month. But the first world problem question today is, what is the appropriate amount of time that we as Christians should celebrate our birthday? Should it be just that day? Should it be a week? What do you think? Now I have this idea. I have this idea that birthdays really should be celebrated by the parents because the parents are the one who did all the work and yeah as me as a baby you just pop out and you're there so i think that's a great celebration for parents and when you think about birthdays ver birthdays can get pretty vain like people get lazy and they want to be worship and they want to be pampered like yes it's my birthday so the whole month you act like a baby and lazy and, and act like people owe you something but how do you think it should be celebrated Think about that. A lot of people are 21 years old. And what do they try to do? Take 21 shots. Been there, done that. Stupid. Sometimes you don't have to live and you learn. Sometimes you can just learn from other people's mistakes. But first world problem question today. What is the appropriate amount of time to celebrate a birthday? What do you think Jesus did for his birthday? Do you think he celebrated it? Let me know what you think. Remember, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Instagram or Twitter. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Word for the Year. And we're going to keep that birthday conversation going because your boy, yeah me, yeah me, it's me. I have a birthday coming up. Now, I'm not telling you that so you can buy me a gift or anything. I mean, you can if you want to, but that's not why. This just got me thinking about our dinner time subject, subject today. 
And I stole this concept from John Gordon, and I've probably been doing it for five or six years. And it's picking a word to live by for the entire year. Like that's a lot, that's, that's shaping your focus and what you're trying to or aspire to be or to live out. And the word for the year got me reminiscing a little bit because I got to pick a new one. And with reminiscing, there are a few things that, that can happen. One of those things is you end up looking at some of the things you have done and you have regret. Another thing that can happen is you end up blaming. And I, I think about hearing some people talk and they like, man, I hate this coach. He never let me play my game. I can't stand him. If he would let me play my game, I would have done this. And it's like, you're blaming. Like it, Maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Maybe God didn't have that plan for you. On the opposite end, reminiscing can also allow you to appreciate the ways that you have been blessed and to see the opportunities and to see the, the things that didn't even necessarily go the way that you wanted them to. But God blessed that path and, and allowed you to open up another door. And another thing about reminiscing, which we hope it does, is it provides wisdom and it allows you to learn from your mistakes or to see the things that you were doing well and get back on that path to continue, continue doing it well. Now, this is something that I have adopted, but I've had a number of friends join me in doing this. So for me, I do it every single birthday. I know some people do it on their birthday. I know some people do it for the new year. You pretty much can do it whenever you feel like it and you please. But I'm going to take you down a little trip, a trip down memory lane and just share with you some of the words that I picked and my thought process behind them. I mean, I got some time to just sit down and think, like, why did I pick the word that I picked? And I guess I should mention this is something that I prayed on. I meditated on. I asked God, what is it that you want me to do or what are you trying to show me? And what was kind of going on in my life? And these are the words that I felt like God was trying to to tell me, like, hey, CEO, you need to make sure that you're living by this or this is the word that you need to allow to, to guide you for the year. Now, the first word that I ever picked was the word assurance. And what I would do is I print this word on a sheet of paper. Assurance is huge on a sheet of paper. And then I put the definition and the definition is a positive declaration intended to give confidence a promise. And I put a couple Bible passages with it. This is a word that I picked in my 20s. And the reason I remember picking this word is because I wanted to feel God's presence even more. And one of the Bible passages that I used was John 20 verses 29. It says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed, yet have believed. And I think I was just in a space where there were so many things going on in life. And just just look at life, how corrupt and how bad and how evil it could be. I felt God was telling me to do a better job of showing my faith, do a better job of making a positive declaration despite seeing the things that I was seeing or not seeing the things that I wanted to see and to have confidence in him. And the second passage that I had with this was Matthew 9, verse 21 and 22. It says, she said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. And those two passages reminded me I needed to trust in God's promises. I needed to know what God's promises were. I needed to understand how he works to an extent of knowing I'm not going to understand everything. But I still can rest assured because of his son's death on the cross. And that was the first word for the year that I ever picked. 
Now, let me tell you about the second one. And I felt this one was definitely God speaking to me. The word that I picked for the year was calculated. And the definition for calculated was of an action done with full awareness of the likely consequences. And the Bible passage that I picked was Hebrews 13, verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And this was so on point because I've shared with you that I have aspirations to have my own program one day for basketball. And I got the opportunity to do that. Like I got offered a, a head coaching job, but I had an opportunity to become assistant principal, something that I said I would never, ever, 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 ever want to do. And just understanding how God was positioning things in my life and how the Holy Spirit was leading me and guiding me, he led me to know that I should take the assistant principal and not take the basketball. And for me, it was actually kind of cool because it was like God was saying, you have the capability to do it, but this ain't the time or the place, bro. So go ahead and do that AP job you said you'd never do and get ready to be a problem solver and deal with a lot of mess and just tick people off because they can't get their way. And it was just amazing how God led me to pick that word and then put me in that situation to, to actually test me. And the second passage that I had to go along with this was from Hebrews 11, verse 7 through 8. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And I thought those passages were so on point because there was so much unknown in me taking a different calling. And it was definitely not something that I planned. Oh, yeah, your boy wrote a book that year, too. And the thing that was significant about the book is that's something that I always wanted to do. The title of the book is Champ Talk. Check it out sometime. But when you write a book, especially that pertains or deals a lot with you personally, you um, you're putting yourself out there. And there are consequences sometimes to sharing information. Now, I think I did have to be guarded in that way because if I really could be just transparent and just completely open, it's, it's a scary thing because our culture is so much of a cancel culture. So to share your mistakes or to share the things that you have done, one, I, I never want to try to highlight them or make them seem like they're cool and glorify them. But two, people would try to take that and use it against you later. Or throw it back in your face. And it's just one of those things we see every day in our culture. It's like, well, how far back will you forgive me? Or how far back does that stupid thing that I've done, how long would that haunt me? And that was just something that I had to be conscious of when writing that, writing that book. And I remember I got to a space that was like, you know what? All of the choices and decisions that I want to make, I want to glorify God with them. Those decisions might not be the most popular, they might get me ridiculed and mocked at this time. They might not be um, what the world is world is expecting. But at the end of the day, it will stand the test of time. And that's just something that I really wanted to be conscious of that year with the word calculated. Understand that there will be consequences at times to even doing the right thing and making good choices. So calculated was my word for that year. And boy, that, that word really came to fruition. The next word that I ended up picking was influence. And the definition for that is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, 
or the effect itself. And I just felt like God was definitely putting me in a position to to have great influence, whether it was with my athletes, with the students that I was in constant contact with, with my peers and the people that I was just surrounding myself with. I knew and felt that God was putting me in a position to have influence. Now, the thing about influence, especially when you get a little power, or at least people think you get a little power. And what I'm referring to as the assistant principal is everyone tells you how you should use that power. Everyone wants to tell you how you should use that influence. And that's just a product of our world and the, the microwave. And what they really should say is you have the power and this is how you should help me. My brother need help. My sister need help. That's what they really want you to do in a lot of in a lot of cases. And really having an influence for the positive is not always going to be well perceived or accepted. And I knew that I needed the strength and I needed the guidance from God to be able to live bold in that. And one of the passages that I picked was Titus 2 verse 7. And that's in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness. And the thing about that is doing what is good is only one good. And that's God's way is good. Not the world's good because the world's good constantly changes. The, the world's good is constantly being microwaved. And what, what's good one day might not be good the next day in this world. And another passage that I picked was uh, Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bow. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And why I picked this passage and why I thought it was so dope is because light, light can be blinding. And when people are, are blind, a lot of times they want that light to go away. But light is light and light is still right. Can I get an amen? And I just wanted to be in a position to be to be bold in my influence and to do what is God's way, no matter what. Because it's amazing the, the expectations and the things people will tell me that I should be doing as a as a black man, as a man, a man of God, a coach, a teacher. But yet they have never done it. They have never had the opportunity to do it. And what's even scarier is they're not telling sometimes me to do something because it's in the best interest to glorifying God. And I think both of those passages just really highlight the fact that when you do have influence, use it to glorify God. Don't use it to necessarily glorify yourself or to please just a group of people. But it's the opposite of what God wants. And that is why I picked that word influence, because I just knew that that God was putting me in a position to to have influence. But you can use influence for the negative or you can use it for the positive. And when I always refer to the positive in this light, I'm talking about setting a Christ like example. And the following year after that, I picked the word devoted. And the definition for that is to give up or appropriate to or concentrate on a particular pursuit, occupation, purpose, cause, etc., and I really felt like God was telling me at this time to hone in and focus on my purpose. Like we all have a unique and special purpose in this world, but sometimes we take that for granted or we don't think that our purpose really, really matters. And it does. It's, it's unique. It's special. There's only one person who can be you. 
And 1 Timothy 6 verse 11 is a passage that I had to go along with this. It says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And that passage just, just stood out to me because, man, it's so much going on. It's so many different things trying to, to pull at us, but you got to flee from it. Like you can't even flirt with it at a time. You have to literally run away from it, but it's always there. And being devoted gives you a, a focus. It helps you just have a certain amount of concentration that you can that you're supposed to have. And it doesn't have to come from me. More importantly, it comes from from God. And that's not just for me. That's for all of us. And another passage I had with this was Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And I just remember that passage slapping me in the face to say, whatever I feel is not necessarily greater than my purpose or what God wants me to do. And how many times do we get told in this world, do what you feel, do whatever feels right. And this passage is saying the exact opposite. It's saying even if you feel it, if it goes against my word and what I want you to do, you need to deny yourself. Like You have to be willing to give up your life in order to find life in me, which is Christ. And that's just that's just amazing. Like how many times are we actually devoted to anything greater than ourselves? If we're actually de devoted to, to God, we're not. We're devoted to our feelings. We're devoted to the things of this world. We're devoted to treasures that are fleeting. Like how many times do people say, I didn't feel like doing it or I just don't want to boy, girl, this passage right here is saying it doesn't matter how you feel or what you want to do, do what is right. It doesn't change the fact that right is right. Wrong is wrong. And I should highlight that's part of being God's disciple. And that's a state that I wanted to be in. I wanted to be a better disciple. I wanted to be a better follower of him. And the, the beauty of this, though, I remember is God giving me the strength. Like this wasn't something that like I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to try harder to do. It was something like, no, I'm going to get in the word more and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to fill me up and to guide me more. Like I cannot do this all by myself. You can't. It's not one of those things where, oh, let's try harder. No, you got to be in prayer. You got to be in the word. You got to change your surrounding. You have to constantly be in communication with God and meditating on his word and his everlasting promises, promises that won't come and go. Now, my last word, the word that will probably be done by the time that you hear this episode is acumen. And the definition for that is the ability to make good judgments and quick decisions, typically in a particular domain. And I just want to point this out to you. There are so many decisions that I have to make on a daily basis whether it's from being a coach, a teacher, an assistant principal, a husband, and decision making can become extremely draining. Like, you know that the president doesn't even pick out his own outfit because the man needs his brain power. Like, I don't think any presidents have picked out their outfits. And some of you are like, well, I can tell because he can't dress. But that's not the point. The point is that every decision can take brain power from people. And I'm guessing you have a lot of decisions that you have to make on a regular daily basis. But why I chose this word is because of the magnitude and the amount of decisions that I am making. 
Should this person be on the basketball team or not? Should this person get playing time? Should this student be given this opportunity? Should this student be told to leave our school? Should you buy this house? Should you give them another chance? Are you sure you want to make that business move? What's the best play here? And one of the Bible passages that I picked was 1 Kings 3 verse 9. And it says this, it says, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And that just made me think about how many different times I'm in positions to to counsel or to give advice. And this is something where I constantly you will constantly hear me say this is. Even if I've been in the position or not, base it off the word of God. The word of God, the Bible is going to give the most wise counsel, period. So all I'm really doing is regurgitating and repeating what the Bible says. I'm not going to tell you what I think or I feel in a lot of situations because that's not going to be the best. God's God's way is better than my way. And the analogy is solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You got to know good from evil. That's from Hebrews 5 verse 14. And I really just wanted to make sure that I was trusting in the Lord with all my heart and not leaning on my own understanding. I wanted to make sure that I was submitting in all my ways to him and allowing him to make my path straight and to give me the guidance that I needed. And that is why I chose the word acumen. And just to highlight a couple of things that I think deal or do with this word is made the choice to get married. I got a whole wife, a whole wife now. Yeah. Another thing was bought a house. Those right there are like two of the biggest decisions anybody can make in their life. And I'm telling you, if you would have asked me a year ago, if I would have done either two of those things, I probably would have told you no. Like that just lets you know how mysterious and awesome God is and how he can lead you and guide you. Because I'm going to tell you, that wasn't my plan. Wasn't my plan. And I know some of you still might be like, cool, you gave us all these words. You picked the word of word for the year, but what do you do with it? So, like I said, what I do is I print it out, put the definition on there, put some Bible passages on there. And then I post it. I post it in visible places that I can see every single day. So I have it posted in my bedroom. I have it posted in my office at school as well. I'm going to actually put on Instagram what the what the document looks like that I actually created and made. And then another cool thing that I do is since I'm not doing this by myself and I have some some, like my brother's doing it, I have some very close friends who do it is every once in a while we just check on each other and say, hey, how are you living with your word for the year? Like, how are you doing with it? And then it's something I use in all my hashtags for the most part. So if you ever check out my social media page, you'll see a lot of times that I have acumen in in the hashtag. Now, this wasn't our typical episode, but I hope that you can see how God can communicate to you and and speak to you and show you what it is that he wants you to do. If you pray, if you're in his word and you just flat out ask him like, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? And also finding that time to meditate and to sit down and reminisce on how God has has blessed you or how God is having you live a certain purpose and, and have a certain focus or a certain concentration. I mean, you got to take the time out to do that because that's the last thing that the world wants you to do. The world does not want you taking time out, spending it with God, asking him and listening to him. The world wants you to stay as busy as ever, 
It wants you being pulled in all different directions. And the devil, the devil wants you believing that God does not speak to you or care about you. And that's a whole lie because he does. And I hope you saw through a lot of things that I shared how God was able to speak to me and how the, the spirit was able to guide me. Now, how I broke down and set up the word for the year, that might not work exactly for you, but I would encourage you to try something like it, something to give you a, a greater focus, a, a more of an emphasis. And it's like one of those things, if you try to focus on everything, you're really not focusing on anything. And this helps provide a, a focus. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on our episode of Word for the Year. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out, baby.